Hey, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday special of the Scouting Report. We have hit on pro scouting, college scouting, talked through a few timelines as seasons go, and today we will get to strength and conditioning, one of the best in the game at getting guys ready, prepared both in season and out of season. Jesse Ackerman will be on with us today. Jesse has spent time at some of the premier college programs as well as worked in the NFL. We will hit on all those aspects today, plus a few more. But first, if you love this podcast, make sure you are uh, liking it, sharing, subscribing, get this episode out there if you like this episode want to hear more like it head over to twitter at right step adv or rsafootball.com let me know what you want to hear plenty more audio reports coming as well as well as wednesday specials coming up but enough from me ton to hit on today so let's get to it jesse ackerman welcome to the podcast thanks brother how are you Man, it's great to be on. Uh, you know, we've been cutting it up a little bit, getting ready for this thing. And uh, man, it was, we went a couple of years where there was rarely a day we didn't see each other. And uh, so it's, you know, great to connect and get caught up and, uh, you know, just talk some ball and, you know, talk, talk about some of the old times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Jesse, well, uh, obviously, you know, I kind of hit on a few things. You've been a number of places. You've been at some of the programs. Just talk us through your background, where you're from, how you got into football, you know, specifically the, the strength and conditioning and uh, what you're doing now. Yeah. So um, I'm from Northeast Ohio. Um, I was a three sport athlete in high school, wrestled track, um, and then obviously played football. So um Football's always been uh, my passion. Um, so I finished up at John Carroll University as a player um, and immediately went to my head coach when I was was through at John Carroll and said, hey, I want to be a graduate assistant. So um, that's sort of where my, my path started. I had to wait a year to be a, uh, a GA, but um, I did a year at my my high school alma mater, Mentor Lake Catholic. I coached D-line, did some stuff in the weight room. Um, and then from there, um, get, we actually won a, a state championship. It was great. Uh, this is 2001. Um, so the following year, uh, started at John Carroll. I uh, was a graduate assistant there for three years. My program was long. Um, and I really fell in love in the weight at, uh, with the weight room at that time. I had always, always been a physical person, um, you know, always liked training. And I thought that it was one area where uh, you're always with the players, didn't necessarily like recruiting in that process. So um, it just seemed like a natural fit. I'm really, really like the process. So at John Carroll, my academic background, um, undergrad there, I was in education. And then uh, when I was a graduate assistant, I, I got into clinical mental health counseling. Um, I, you know, even in my practices today, I think that's one of the most overlooked areas for performance. Um, people are starting to get into that now and, and, and talk about holistic uh, preparation and everything, but that's been uh, pretty much pretty much been the center of my research for the last 20 plus years in coaching. Um, so from there, um, I did a, I took a teaching position at John Carroll um, after I was done with my master's work. 
And then um, I started looking for coaching jobs and I ended up at Iowa State. Uh, that was my first full-time strength and conditioning job. So that was 2006, or I'm sorry, 2007. And um, well, I shouldn't say first time full. I was just spread thin at John Carroll, but Iowa State was definitely, uh, you know, that was my first like real coaching job with a salary. Didn't get paid much at John Carroll. Um, so did that, was at Iowa State for one year. One of my mentors, Jeff Mad Dog Madden at the University of Texas called me up and I ended up at the University of Texas the following year. I was there from 08 through 11. Um, after that, went to University of Florida, uh, Florida with Will Muschamp. And then um, I, uh, when we got let go there, which happens in, in every coaching profession, <laughs> like you do, you pick up. I worked with the U.S. military. I worked with the 75th Ranger Regiment uh, with 175 in Savannah. They call it Beach Bat. And um, I, I also did a, a – in between that transition between Florida and the military – I helped out in Atlanta a little bit with, with Dan and then um, took that job. And then a year later, I was back uh, and as the head head strength and conditioning coach for the Atlanta Falcons. So I was there for five years. Um, obviously, with the change in the organization, uh, you know, uh, you know, they, you know, everyone gets let go and then you pick up and you go where you need to go and whatever, but I had a year on my contract. So I, I ventured into business a little bit on the training side. Uh, again, it was based around holistic performance. Um, had a couple things fall through and that's all part of the process. But um, currently right now I'm working as a head performance coach in the XFL. So doing that uh, right now remotely, and then we'll pick up with that in January. So that's where I'm at right now, Rob. That is a journey. Um, it's one of those pieces where the coaches always make the headlines, but a lot of times that strength and, strength and conditioning coach is, you know, a right-hand man, very close, very involved with the head coach. So anytime a change happens like that, it is, it is certainly commonplace for, uh, for that strength and conditioning staff, as well as, you know, any number of coaches on staff underneath that head coach that, uh, that you're out searching and um but again you talk about some of the premier programs texas um again it looks like they're getting back to relevancy um all obviously one of the you know from a yeah. facility standpoint gonna be hard to beat texas then florida no obviously with what they've done um you know under coach meyer when he was there they've had some ups and downs since then but uh, uh again looks like coach napier has them headed in the right direction only time will tell there. And then again, you, when, when you're with any NFL team, again, there's only 32 of them. I mean, that's, that's, that's big time. So uh, that's awesome. So I want to hit on uh, the first piece I want to hit on is that uh, that strength and conditioning at the college level um, mm -hmm. for people out there listening that maybe aren't in the everyday following the boards, understanding how programs work, a college strength and conditioning coach is a huge part of every athlete's lives not just on the field not just in the weight room but 
you know, life advice and help dealing with off field stuff. And they can probably have more contact with the players just from a timing NCAA compliance standpoint. Um, talk about what that time was like when you were, you know, for some of these guys, probably the first call that they were making, if anything came up. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I used to laugh, I, you know, just at the University of Texas, I, I used to tell people I live in my office. You know, I had in my my apartment that I had. I was single at the time. And, um, you know, I had a, a couch, a TV and a bed and, and all my clothes were there. But I really lived in the office. And, um, you know, part of that, you're you're part of the recruiting process, but, but you're also you know, you're always there for the players. So that schedule is um, definitely rigorous. Um, there's, there's so many factors, but being, yeah, being the, especially now it's a little different. I know the rules have changed a little bit in the summertime, but um, you know, it used to be where, where the coaches, um, they would be off and, and, and spending time with their family. And that was our busy time you know, um, or when they're on the road recruiting. So we were that constant in their life. So um, my approach has always been, I've always been a player's coach, um, you know, and that's what really, that really drew me to that position to begin with was that you're there working with those guys on a daily basis. So yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of life skills development with players along with, um, you know, obviously the physical and mental preparation. But, um, yeah, you're a constant in that player's life, um, definitely, when you're at, um, you know, Texas or Florida, any of these big programs. Um, you're, you're the one that's always pretty much in the building, helping out and, and, and giving them what they need to be successful. Yeah. And so with that education background, I mean, you – did you ever imagine that that, uh, you know, a, a degree that you were getting while at John Carroll would lead to some of the, um, as, as you've talked about, some of the mental approach to training that you've taken? And how did you kind of start to see that manifest itself and, and become more of, uh, more of what your program was going to be about? Yeah, it, 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 I, you know, I'm lucky enough. Um, I was smart enough to have the foresight where I thought that was uh, I've always been a believer, like, uh, you know, the, the mental side of things. And uh, my degree program at John Carroll, actually, you know, you can get a Ph.D. in, in psychology, right, or an EDD. Uh, most people don't know the difference between those two things. Um, the degree I, I, I really the one I have. Um, you know, you had to do internships and practicum and internships. So I was, I was sitting in with um, people with major issues and, and, and counseling them on life and everything else. So, you know, um, that experience for me, um, you know, everything's on a spectrum, right? Um, everything. So dysfunction, everything, spectrum. It, it's been one of the best things I've done um, because it really, it really started a fire under me to, to keep 
to keep learning about these holistic methods and in different ways, not just not just um, psychological, spiritual, social, um, and looking at that holistic foundation. It's it's been invaluable. Man. It's been really uh, one of the cornerstones and one of the best things I can bring to the table for athletes is help them get over those mental blocks and 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 help them really um, realize who they are. I think, I think one of the problems, Rod, um, is that sometimes in these, these big programs, um, you know, they have so many support staff that do things for these players. And then that's really not preparing them for the next level when you're going to have more time. And, um, you know, essentially you have to make decisions and you have to, to do the right things. I, I, I believe empowering, we have to empower these guys to make the right decisions and to do the right things, not necessarily doing it for them, yep. but I'm a huge believer in that. And um, so for me, that's what I always wanted to do um, in those settings and, and empower people, empower the players to be the best version of themselves. And uh, it's, I'm telling you, man, that background has having that background has really helped me. Um, and, and additionally, Rod, you know, like I have another master's in exercise science. So you want to talk about combining those things. It's just, it's, just, it's been an awesome, awesome experience to have both of those, uh, you know, people call them soft science and hard science, but having a background in both of those has been really helpful in my career. Yeah, no question. I mean, you talk about the, the, you know, you, as a, as a fan is, you know, people that watch games on TV, you see these guys jog out on the field on Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, whatever day it is. And, and you're seeing, you know, whatever time they're on the field and you expect that everything in their else in their life be put on hold, which is, again, if, if we try to put ourselves in those shoes, I mean, how much, how much do you have? How much do I have? How much does, you know, the fans sitting at home have to deal with that, uh, that they're taking to work and it's no different. So, to be able to, you know, continue to develop that whole person, like you said, that holistic approach, the body from the strength and conditioning, the mind, you know, the spiritual aspect, the social aspect. Um, I mean, it just, ele- when, when all those things are lined up when all those things are synchronized, that's when you get the best version, which is not yep. only good for the program, it's good for the person too, good for their family, good for their friends. So uh, that's, that's such an awesome piece of it there. So uh, yep. cool. So, Let's hit on a little bit. Obviously, you've got two two big programs, Texas and Florida, under your belt. You spent time with both of those. What were some of the things that were real similar about your time there? Maybe the programs there, and then what are what were some of the differences that you experienced? Yeah, I think um, I think at uh, University of Texas. I mean, that both University in Texas and University of Florida. I mean, strong, very strong traditions. Um, you know. You you look at uh, Texas. I think the difference, um, you know, there would be um, just just you know it's a Big Twelve school. I think um, you know the standards there are so high. They're they're really high. And and same at Florida. Um, at that time, I think you know when I was here, the edge as far as facilities went to uh, the University of Texas. I mean, they just had um, more resources allocated. We, when I was at Florida, we didn't have an indoor that 
since then, that's been uh, corrected. They have a, a great new facility there. Um, they were, to be honest with you, Rod, they were very similar. Um, you know, in their, you know, it's it's, you know, it's a big business. It it, it is what it is. Um, but again, I would say all programs are more similar than they are different. Obviously, coming off the strong, you know, this the strong uh, strong success or strong. Uh, of both programs, but in reality, I mean, Florida was, they had just won two. I got there in 2012. Um, so the expectations were really high, you know, and um, we had gone to a national championship when I was at Texas um, and we came up short, but um, yeah, the expectations at both places, extremely high and uh, yeah, more, much more similar than different. That's good. And expectations that's always that's always an interesting one because there's always the outside expectations that you know sometimes are grounded in reality sometimes are not and then obviously you've just got your program expectations that's in the building that comes from your head coach from your position yeah. coaches and um but to understand that when you put on that longhorn logo when you put on that gator logo that means something that means right. more than just you and um, you know, to uphold that standard, hopefully brings out a whole nother level of training uh, for these guys as they as they continue to. Uh, again, you go you go to Texas, you go to Florida to play football. Most of these guys probably are thinking they have a shot in the NFL, and and that's the next step, and that's high expectations they have to meet. Yeah, yeah, and and look, like you know this from mindset. If you're always thinking about those expectations, well, I got to win, I got to win most of the time you're not going to win. Mm -hmm. You got to really focus on your process. Yep. Um, do the, do those little things right. Um, at both places had a lot of, uh, success and, um, and then, and then, and then failures. That's just a part of the deal. Yep. Um, you know, so, um, in our position, you know, being on physical performance and, uh, and high performance side with strength and conditioning, you know, we have control over some of that, but I mean, really, um, we control what we control. We can't, um, you know, you know, schemes and, and different stuff. I mean, it, that's not our job. Our job is to be there for the player, to take them as far as we can. And and I always said this, and I always say this to my staff. So we need to be the most consistent people in the building because, you know, the first thing they do when they come in, um, the next, you know, whether it be a win or a loss, we have to be the same because it's a new week, yep. you know? So um, I really take pride in that, um, put all the other stuff aside and, and learn from it and then, and then roll, you know, that's, that's the only way you can do it. And uh, so in my opinion, you know, we really need to be the most consistent people in the building for those players. Um, never too high, never too low, and 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 work. You know, that's it. Get them to work. Get them to work. I love it. So before we get your time in the NFL, you spent almost a year with the 75th Ranger Regiment, the U.S. Army. Yep. Talk about that experience and how that either, you know, 
kind of further honed or changed or, you know, kind of continued your development uh, with the, with your approach? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think before I came to 75th Ranger Regiment, I could be real, I could be rigid at times. I could be um, very serious, you know, and, and, and look, I'm not saying I'm not serious, but over over time, what I've learned is that I take training serious. I don't take myself that serious. So um, being 100% honest, I think that that time over that year, I came across some some really some of some friends I'll have for life, man. I mean, they're just just phenomenal people. And um, you sort of you sort of got the background on guys, but again, it was about the relationships with those Rangers um, and understanding the standard they set, you know, um, it's unbelievable, Rod. I mean, they're, you do, you hear a lot about SEALs, you hear a lot about, um, about, you know, maybe other, some, some other operation. You don't hear a lot about Rangers, you know, and um, they take pride in that. They take pride in being quiet professionals. And I think that aligned well with what, what I do. And, um, you know, because the strength coach essentially should be in the background and take pride in, hey, man, you know, we're here to work. That's that's the way I take it, right? Um, yeah. So um, it, was a, it was a really good marriage between people, between us, and uh, it was phenomenal, man. So my role at uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, um, I always gravitate towards people um, that have injuries or that are hard cases. I love challenges. So, um, you know, I encountered some some really cool guys there because basically what I what I was in charge of was the uh, bridge program. We called it the bridge program, which uh, basically is return to play. For soldiers. So um, anyone who had been, you know, they could have been shot, um, any accident, we're, we're getting them back to uh, being a high level uh, soldier. So it was awesome. I had some really unique, uh, really unique situations there. Um, and you had to get creative. Mm-hmm. But you also, it's a different you know, for a ranger, it's a it's a different uh, skill set than working with a than an NFL player or a, a high level college athlete. It's different, but there are some similarities there uh, as far as uh, mindset. Yeah, and I think I I I really got a lot of good stuff in regards to mindset and how how they go about their business. Um, but yeah, it was it was phenomenal, man. It it really was. Uh, just a great experience to see uh, how resilient some of these guys are, what they've come back from. And uh, it's unbelievable. So I have a, one of the guys, actually, I, I, I had to go to a little workout here in Tampa and one of my friends, uh, Travis Dunn, he was a staff sergeant. Um, he came over and uh, we got to connect a little bit. This guy, um, he probably weighs, and at the time he probably weighed 120, 125 pounds. He he was shot. Um, it was a T six, 
he was paralyzed from the waist down. So he was kicking down down doors in Afghanistan and someone shot him through his kit. And um, so complete uh, paralyzed and, and he came to me and was like, hey, I want to bench uh, 200 pounds. So think about that. You have no leg drive. You, you know, like he's, he's really thin, 120, 125 pounds. I mean, that's really thin, man. Yeah. So, um, he did 205 by the end. <laughs> I mean, his resolve, um, just, just all the complications you go through with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just an amazing guy, but, um, he's had such a strong, strong influence, uh, in my life and, and just a great example of being resilient. And then that, another guy, Dom, I mean, this guy, he was shot in the head. Um, there's, I've shared this with, with players. He had a, um, I don't even know how to, it's, a, it, it was like a plastic skull that was keeping his brain, um, intact, man. Like crazy, crazy stuff. When you wow. see the pictures of him, yeah. it's, it, it's amazing. So, I mean, uh, just seeing him and how he approached his work after this horrible traumatic event in his life. Um, I mean, and, and it, it's unbelievable, you know, um, but they lean on that standard in those tough times. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that standard that the, I mean, the army as a whole, specifically the Ranger regiment, because if you hit that level, you are, you are yeah. in a small, small percentage. And again, as you said, the mindset that these guys have dealing with, again, we talk about, injuries in the game of you know football and yeah there can be some truly catastrophic ones but for the most part we're talking you know maybe you know tear, torn acl or maybe a break an ankle or something like that and you work your way back from but you're talking you're talking life-threatening you know again you said getting shot in the head you paralyzed from the waist down from bullets people literally trying to kill you um right. and yet you find a way these guys find a way I would, I would argue that within just about everyone, it's in there somewhere. You just got to dig deep enough and tap in enough to find it. And, you know, these guys, special human beings do. And uh, I'm sure being around it uh, just added more and more tools to your toolbox to be able to talk about with, uh, as you got back into the strength and conditioning side. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal, man. I, yeah. It's, it, it just, it also, you know, there there's some parallels there with, with, you know, elite operators and, and elite athletes, you know, these guys, they seek autonomy at times, you know, they want to, they want to have their own, own edge. I get that. Um, and you know, that, that really prepared me, um, for the, for the, the job in the NFL, you know, just, Hey man, number one, you got to be a good dude, you know? Um, and that's that's the most important thing that look rod at the end of the day these guys have to know that um i have their best interest at heart yep. you know like look and i used to tell this guy and i stole this from uh sort of the godfather godfather of powerlifting louis simmons but i would tell guys hey man you know if i could flip if there were ten thousand rocks out there in that field that i'd point out to the field, I said, I'd flip every one of them to find one way to get you better. 
one way to keep you in this league, one way to get you back, you know, uh, being a soldier, like uh, that's really, really where it's at, man. You got to be there for those guys. Yep. And um, that's, that's the biggest at, at any level, you know, and, and, and if you're, and, and that's my truth, you know, everywhere I've been, that's been my truth. You know, when it comes time for, you know, I'm going to be there for you. I will go, I'll do whatever it takes to help you, but it's gotta, you gotta meet me halfway. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that draw. I mean, we've, we've seen it with a couple of these, uh, these coaching changes that have already happened in the NFL. They talked about the trust factor, whoever stepping into that role in the college, you know, college coaches taking over interim positions, NFL coaches taking over interim positions. It's that trust factor. Like, trust me guys, I'm going to do the best for you. And, uh, and, you know, we'll see where the team goes from there. So, so after that year with the Ranger Regiment, you joined the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, just hit on that experience as a whole. Obviously, we were there about five years. Is that right? Five years, brother. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. Talk about that time as a whole. What do you What do you think about? And uh, you know, just give kind of a insight into that. Yeah, I mean, my time with the Falcons was awesome. I, I you know, one of the greatest. I learned a ton. Um, also, it was it was a it was a fun place to um, experiment and implement things that um, you know I've written down in journals throughout my career about okay if I had control over this this is how I do it um, and then you have success and you have failures you know you failures I mean you know the highs and the lows that's that's part of the deal but overall it was a unbelievable uh experience i think when you when you go into um an nfl club you're going to see a wide range of of athletes at various ages that come from different um different programs different different uh training styles and you have to adapt and and again you got to meet them halfway but also um on that side, what really helped me, you know, these guys, their sport is football. And they love, I would say, you know, most guys who are in the NFL, they love playing football. It's what they do, right? Yep. They don't necessarily love lifting weights and doing the preparation uh, in the off season and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you got to go into that knowing that. You got to know where their mindset is. And then you know, you have to sell, um, you have to sell what you believe in and, and, you know, adapt and adjust and, and, you know, but my big thing was I could sell because I, I believe in, in the system and, and the system I, I utilize, it has enough wiggle room to adjust, um, to, to help the player, to give them what they they need and um, really to to just, you know, be there to take them to the next level. It was it was a great challenge. Um, but when you're working with that that range of ages from 21 to, to 38, sometimes 40, yeah. um, it's interesting, man. It's you, you really have to be aware of, of what they've been through and and see the whole picture of, of, of that athlete, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, that wiggle room is 
um, again, when you have your program, mm -hmm. you want it to, again, there's a certain, a certain rigidity to that program. But again, I think about some of those early years with the Falcons, we had, you know, draft picks, you know, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal and Austin yeah. Hooper were, were pups coming, growing while still playing on the field. And on the other end of it, we had, you know, we had Dwight Freeney. We had Jonathan Babineau, who were vets, who had been through a bunch of games and to be able to stay within your program, um, but move towards the same goal. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, talk about being able to uh, adjust a little bit and make those guys, get those guys to see that, hey, we're all working towards the same thing here. Right. And, I, you know, Rod, honestly, man, like, I, I think – People always look at um, when you're when whenever you analyze certain things, and I, I know um, in strength and conditioning, you know everyone. What's the first thing they say? Oh, injuries, right? That's that's one of the one of the things they look at, and um, you know through some of these wearables and, and other things, um, that's another huge interest area for me. Um, helping guys and, and not adding undue stress or doing blind, what I call blind conditioning. Um, you know, like I think regardless of how I feel, it's, it's good to look at competitive stress. And I think during my time in Atlanta, we did some really cool things with, with looking at those stressors and how we complement that in the weight room. Mm -hmm. um, or in the gym and, and, and really how we prepare, uh, people. And, um, I, I don't say this much, but I, I know this, I have this stat. I mean, we, over that time, we were, if not the least injured team, we were top one, three, my five years there, Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's all me. I'm saying systemically as a whole, I think, we took care of the players, yep. you know, we're a cog in that wheel. Um, and, uh, but I mean, when I looked at it and I look at, at how we look at things, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it was a great, great, uh, great place to really solidify um, some, some deep beliefs and also to challenge some of those beliefs. And, and, and that's great. Yep. You know, every, anytime you get challenged, it's it's good. I, I, I look forward to that challenge, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. So having been at the college level, going to the pro level, what were some of the biggest differences that uh, maybe you had to adjust or that you had to, uh, you know, consider as you were kind of going going back and forth, whether it's the, the training schedule, what you can, you know, mandate, what you can tell players to do, what you can, you know, ask players to do. What were some of those big differences? Uh, the development windows are obviously different at the, at the NFL level, you know, you're dealing with, um, you know, it, it, most of the time at colleges, you're going to have them a lot more. So um, we need to take advantage of every opportunity uh, when guys are in the building in the NFL to, to really optimize that time. And um, so, you know, at college, you can, you can do certain things, um, you know, it's got to be really goal oriented in the NFL. You know, it's got to be really everything has to make sense. 
-hmm. You know, everything has to make sense. Uh, why are we doing this? You got to give the player the why, you know. Friend of mine, Lauren Seagraves, says, uh, educate people, train animals. You know, these guys are going to want to know the why. Um, obviously, the age when you're when you're training them, you're dealing with a you're dealing with guys who have families yep. um, in the NFL. Um, I've had I've had rookies come in and they think they're going to take that that same attitude um, from college into the NFL, and it never works. You know, it never works. Um, I think explaining and 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 realizing that this is your profession, it's a job, and your body is your business. Um, that's that's one of the things that's uh, that transitional piece. You start to see guys take it more serious, you know. Um, so I really like working with NFL athletes. Some of these guys now they'll they'll go off, and um, I think one. You, you know, with these guys, they have resources. They're always going to have people in their life that, um, you know, we see it all the time. They're going to have certain people they work with, whether it's a massage therapist or their personal trainer in the off season. Um, and you, you got to sort of bridge that gap and be, be open and, and talk to the player. Not necessarily about that because when it's their time, it's their time. I, I don't fight that. Right. Like, um, I don't like people telling me what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if it's, uh, you know, six weeks, um, you know, before they report, I encourage them, hey, guys, look, what you do is what you do. But I would really encourage you to adhere to some of these principles. Right. Yep. And adhere to them. You can mix and match however you want. But um, it's it's really when because the longest period of training rod is is in season. You know, and the way and, and this is different for some man. We are supportive um, in the practice process. I want them to have, you know, if it's a Wednesday in the NFL, really, that's a Monday. Uh, so at practice, I want them to be the best football player they could be on on, on Wednesday. So. In the gym, I'm not going to add undue stress. I'm going to wake their nervous system up. We're going to do some activation things that uh, that prepare them for for the stressors of football. And um, you know, it's about being the best football player, the best mover for practice. Because hey, look, you're at the top of the food chain. You're the tip of the spear. Um, as far as as far as you know, your profession. So, um, you know, you get better um, by playing football and refining those specific skill sets on the grass. You don't get better by by necessarily an exercise in the weight room, right? So, yep. um, yeah. All about getting those guys ready for what happens between the white lines. Yeah, I love it. yeah, brother. Yeah. yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, NCAA, NFL, even with the Rangers, what were some of the habits, mindsets, or traits that you saw that would allow guys to just excel in whatever they were doing, whether it was coming back from an injury or, you know, getting prepared for that game that uh, if you, if you come across one of those guys that has one of these, you're like, all right, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be special. He's got something. What were, what were some of those things? It's consistency. Like, you know, strength is measured 
and consistency and time, right? So the strongest people in the world, they might have different programs, um, you know, little wrinkles that they throw in that work better for them. But the two, the two things that they do um, on a regular basis, so they're consistent in their training and they keep, you know, they're consistent in their training and they lift, lift, lift weights. So it's, it's about consistency and putting in the time and it's about managing uh, your stressors, man, you know, when you're, when you're committed to being the best, um, Hey, that's when I, when I'm in that building, I'm focused on getting better. It's so I would say consistency focus. And then when you get in there, you're, you're all business, man. You're, you're rolling, you know? So those are the things I look at that guys are, you know, consistency being the, the best one and um, the biggest one, you know, these guys coming in and, and, and just being there. And when they are there, they're really focused. Yeah. So, I mean, that you is, know, that's, that's it. That's, that's an easy one too. consistency. How often does that word get said and you just kind of forget about it? Say, like, Oh, it's too simple, right? No, it's, yeah, it's really, really simple, but not easy. Very, very yeah. different things. You, you what wake up every day and be a consistent person and everything you're going to do. And like you said, your stressors, they're going to help. They're going to start to take care of themselves and you're doing something, you know, at a consistent level, it's going to take care of itself. And um, I love it. that. That consistency piece is yeah. um, again, it's simple, not easy, simple, but not easy. So uh, let's and, 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 and Rod, the basics at the basics at the NFL level are not the basics at the college Right. You have to, you, you know, you, you have to, you have to master those things when uh, at each level you go up. Right. Yep. I mean, and you're right. They're not simple, but the, the guys who are, you know, that master those things and can really hone in. Um, remember uh, Alex Mack. I remember him talking to our, our rookie saying, you know what the key to success in this league be boring in season. I mean, yeah, be boring, watch film, take care of your body. Those things. I mean, your body is your business. Yeah, body. Is Amen, business. brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why you, you know, from a, from a kind of going back to that last question, you hear athletes talking about the six figures, you know, plus that they spend taking care of their body with a, with a chef, with a, right. you know, dietitian, with, you know, rehab, prehab, again, all these different things but it's allowing them to sign that, uh, you know, hundred million plus contract. So I'd say it's money well spent if you're, if you're doing it the right way. And again, that's where, you know, in, in your role, you're coming alongside them, kind of making, you know, nudging them maybe here and there, but letting them, letting them take care of their body and uh, mind and soul and spirit the way that, uh, that they're doing it. It's hard. It's hard too, Rod. Like I think about this, right? Like, you know, you allocate all these resources to taking care of your body. And what happens when, um, you know, let's say that schedule or that person might not be there. I think, I think it's, it's, you don't want to develop codependence on someone else, you know, for someone else to have their method. So you feel a um, hundred, you know, like these guys have to be resilient because shit's going to pop up. Right. Yeah. We know that. 
So like the one thing, and it goes back to that ownership piece, I think um, it's huge. You know, you allocate and, and, and yeah, you have all those resources, but like the one thing I think these guys, they really, you know, as they go through, I like that to develop that mindset. Like, no, man, it's about you. You're a strong, you don't need all that or whatever that, you know, just, just, I think, you know, when we go through this, um, looking at some of that, I've seen guys where they use that as a crutch or they, you know, how I have to get this. And if I don't get this, you know, their mindset screwed. Um, that's one thing, you know, with, with Rangers and seals, you know, uh, if something pops up, they're ready to go, man. You know, I think that's, that's an important lesson too. Um, and I think you got to be aware of it. Sometimes it's, it's never going to be ideal, but um, we got to prepare them for those situations where things might not work out, you know? Yeah. It may, it may be um, the oversimplification, but I've heard, uh, heard strength coaches say, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a lion stretch before he runs down his dinner. Right. And uh, yeah. it's, it's that same thing. You never know when that opportunity is going to show itself. And, you know, you can't spend an hour going through all that, uh, all that prep. Sometimes you just got to, you know, got to put your cleats on and go line up and play. And uh, again, there's, there's always, obviously there's always a balance for these guys understanding right. that, uh, that they, you know, there are things that they can do to maximize and get to peak performance in these things. But, uh, but like you said, at the end of the day, um, it's about you and taking ownership and, you know, being ready to go no matter what the uh, situation is in front of you. I don't want a guy ever to feel like he, like um, I need to be there for him to perform at his best. Right. Like in, and that's, and I think that's my approach with um, people have different styles of coaching. Right. And um, you know, you see coaches or strength coaches that, that run out and they, you know, they're, they're the uh, intense guy, ah, you know, all that. That's not my style because if I need, if I need to do that to motivate you, you're in the, we're doing this wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think it all goes back to empowering the football player. Now that doesn't mean that you don't, if the standard is not high in a particular day, it doesn't mean that you don't intervene. What I'm saying is that I don't want them to be dependent on me uh, for me to be the hype guy all the time. They should be hype. Oh yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, you're playing, you're in the NFL, you're playing at a high level, you know, in college, whatever. I just, I, I feel like we need to empower these players. Hey man, I am, I am a strong mfer you know i am i'm a strong dude if i miss it or if something doesn't necessarily work out man it's it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get through it you know i think uh yeah sorry man i I didn't mean to go on a rant there brother that's good it gets me fired up thinking about it and that uh, again those those special traits which that's perfect for our next question some of these some of these really special traits guys that uh that you've trained with trained um Mm -hmm. you know these guys that it didn't matter what they were facing on the field, off the field, adversity wise, maybe they were just, you know, freak testers. They were guys that no matter what you did, um, you couldn't break them. You could always keep giving them more guys that maybe elevated an entire room. Who were some guys 
that, uh, you know, kind of like what we were talking about. They were guys that were just really, really special to train with over your years. I, I'm Alex Mack, like Alex Mack was, I mean, he, um, he played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. I mean, yeah. I mean just nothing was going to keep him off that field. I think when you look at, and, and Alex was, he did the, you know, he was just very regimented, very consistent, you know, um, obviously like, like Julio, I mean, unbelievable, man. When he was in the gym, uh, I mean, just, just special, you know, uh, worked hard, um, when he was with us, um, you know, and, and, and just, just from, a <laughs> just from, a, you know, they used to call him the alien. And, um, I mean, he was just, I always said Julio could be, uh, an elite track and field athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, he, he would be unbelievable because he's got length and his turnover and everything. I mean, he's just an unbelievable, uh, athlete. Um, you know, Brian Arakpo, when I was at Texas, another guy, I mean, just unbelievable, but there's, there's some, yeah. When you, when you look at, uh, when you look at those, those traits, I mean, Colt McCoy, I mean, unbelievable guy, unbelievable leader, um, you know, resilient guy. He's still, still playing, man, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I think, I think the real separator you know, Rod and, and throughout everything, um, you know, at that next level. And, and, and I guess it's cliche because people, people always say, Oh, you know, the little things and all this stuff, but, but it really is. And, um, you know, I, but those are some guys, I mean, I saw really um, just, just really good, really good athletes and really good professionals yeah just just good man all all over like you said cliches are cliches for a reason they get said over and over because you know it's it's usually the way it is so perfect Um, well this uh this has been good so strength and conditioning again there's there's more and more emphasis maybe they're just more Mm -hmm. in the spotlight you get like you said you get a few of these strength coaches that are maybe out front getting a little more publicity than maybe they should but that's kind of given a push of a bunch of young guys, girls, you know, people out there that want to get into strength and conditioning. What mm-hmm. advice are you giving them as they're starting their path, whether they're an undergrad grad, they're maybe done with school, got certifications. What would you be telling them? Yeah, I think right now um, there's such a big push with analytics and, um, you know, looking at um, data collecting data right and that's <clears throat> look I use analytics I I use I, I look at measuring I look at all that stuff but but what I'm finding is that um, and I've seen this with with uh, with young coaches and intern positions and everything um, the practical knowledge and the attention on the floor in the actual coaching process, um, it, that's the most important thing because that's where you're delivering. Um, you're delivering the message. You're delivering cues. Um, I think young coaches really need to focus on coaching good on the floor. And it does not matter 
um, what the program is. So if I'm coaching a squat with correct technique, it doesn't matter what the sets and reps are. It matters what's emphasized and technically how they're doing it because the transfer of skill is in doing the exercise correctly. So I think it, it's great to have education. I think, especially if you're young coming out of college, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to do some internships where uh, you're working for free or you're working for minimal money. And, and you're going to have to sacrifice on that end a little bit. Um, but, but it's good because that, that's, that's what it, it's, that's what it's going to take. I mean, we all, you know, your investment is either in time or it's, you know, and I, I, I would say this, it's, you know, as, as we progress, I don't need a, um, I don't need a computer screen or, or a biofeedback mechanism to see that, that something's off with a player. And I think if we rely too much on, on those measurements sometimes, and, and if you can't tell, if you don't have that coach's eye, um, that's going to be an issue. Because again, if you're relying on that stuff um, all the time, if I'm looking at a screen when someone's on the floor and they're doing a movement, I think that's a problem. Yeah. So uh, the technical ex execution, the kinesthetic awareness, that is, that's the biggest thing. When people go in the gym, you want to develop that and make sure that the players are aware of their body Yeah. because that's injury prevention. That's, that's where it's at. It's not on, it's not on the screen, right? Um, Get away so, from screens. Yeah, it, it's it's hard, Rod, because a lot of a lot of things now, you know, it's 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 instant feedback. Yeah. Um, and so if I have, you know, when we were in Atlanta, um, we actually took a TV down. Um, you know, someone asked me, hey, why don't we why don't we uh you know put the training on a TV? Someone suggested that. And I said, no. I don't need, I, get, I have this, I have a whiteboard here. I'm good. And the reason I did that was because I had, <laughs> I had awareness about what goes on in the building. If you walked into the locker room, you saw guys either watching uh, plays on their iPad or their phone. We had TV screens in there. They're watching videos there. They go to the, um, the training room. They have iPads or uh, they're on their phone, right? Then you go, yeah, I mean, you're constantly bombarded with it. For me, it was a it was about balancing out and really paying attention to those things. Um, you know, again, kinesthetic awareness, effort, connection amongst players in the session where where that was not a distraction. So I think that part of it, um, yeah, I mean, good God, like that's why we did it. Yeah. I knew they were getting they were getting that other places. Is it really that big of a deal that we don't have this in the weight room? Are they going to play with a, a screen in front of their face when they're out on the grass? Yep. No, they're they're playing ball. They got to be reactive, fine brain. They're, they're rolling. Yep. So, no, that's I mean, that's that, it, you know, acknowledge, like you said, you, there's analytics. There are, you know, videos there. are All this stuff has its value. But at the end of the day, what you're doing as a coach 
one-on-one, you know, one-on-five, whatever it is in that time, being present, eyes on, you know, there's, there's no better way to, you know, scouts get in-person looks for a reason. Coaches want to be down close to players for a reason. It's no different in the weight room, uh, no different on the field. You know, you're doing your, your, you know, dynamic movements, be there, be present, you know, give that direct feedback right from your eyes. And, uh, you know, that's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. And and, and I understand the connection that these, these athletes have with, you know, devices, man, I get that. But um, I think, I think there's some value in, in, in putting it down and connecting and, and, you know, your effort being aware of of that connection when you're training, you know, and, uh, that's the environment we we created in Atlanta. I mean, if you walked in there, I mean, they those guys were connected, man. You know, um, you know, even the the COVID year. I mean, it was hard because you had so many regulations, but still, we we wanted that connection. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly worked out. I mean, there were some some good years all the way down to Houston and coming up yeah. just short, and again, a lot of success and course both for you and for you know me ultimately it uh it didn't uh probably ended a little sooner than we wanted it to but um i mean you will always be able to go back and look at the successes um the good years that uh, that we had there and you know not just not just atlanta from your time in texas and you know with the rangers and florida i mean there's plenty of uh plenty of good examples and uh learning examples too on the other side as you continue it and uh you know, I, I wish you best of success. It was awesome having you on here today. Hopefully, uh, man, it's I miss. I, I remember coming down into the weight room and cutting it up with you every once in a while. And, uh, you know, it just felt like that today again. So I appreciate you being on with me today. Yeah. Hey, brother. Always, always fun talking shop, you know. So thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks. And, and I hope some some listeners get something out of this. Definitely. I'm you sure they will. Awesome. Jesse Ackerman, well, thank you for being on. Thanks, brother.